There's a code I live by. There is? It goes like this. Sometimes the ride can be more exciting than the destination. Oh, yeah, that's I wish that like had you. been my yearbook quote. I wish it had been. <laughs> Instead, my quote was, please don't hit me. No. Hey, <laughs> well, guess what? I'm bringing up all this for a reason. The 2024 <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder can take you from muddy jungle paths to rolling sand dunes. But it's not about where you go. Don't you get it? In a Pathfinder, the real excitement comes from getting there. Yeah. It's the journey, man. Chase bigger adventures with Pathfinder. Seven drive modes and available intelligent four-wheel drive. Seven drive modes. That's a lot of drive modes. Well, specifically seven, yeah. Yeah. And bring the fun with you with Pathfinder's 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. And I love to tow. 6,000 pounds. What? I like to tow stuff. You don't tow anything. Yes, I do. I'm going to buy a boat tomorrow and tow it. (laughs) I'll never put it in the water, but I'll tow it and I'll use it. I'll tow it in my Pathfinder. Hey, visit (laughs) NissanUSA.com to learn more. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capacity varies by configuration. See Nissan Towing Guide and Owner's Manual for additional information. Always secure cargo. You got to secure cargo. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hear me? I did. I heard you. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. You just say that and they show up. They come jumping out of a shrub. Oh, cool. No matter where you are in life, when you need the coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, my name is David Sedaris, and I feel apprehensive about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends, yes I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, This is the show where I pretty much get to talk to people I've always wanted to talk to, maybe fish to see if they would possibly become my friend. It's kind of a dream come true job. I love talking to people, but uh, this is a chance for me to do it in a form that I just really love. And uh, of course, it's not just me. I'm aided in my quest by my trusty assistant, Sona Movsesian. Hi. But you're not. I'm so you're sorry. not. You're not a hostage. I know. You're. You're here of your own free will. But you. You didn't say hi, so I was. I wasn't sure if I should jump in and say hi first. I'm sorry. That was yeah. so bad. Isn't this kind of a dream gig for me? I, I will say that it is. I love to talk to people in depth, and uh, all joking aside, it, this is lovely. It's really fun to talk to them for a long time, and everyone I'm talking to, these are people that. Maybe I've interviewed them before, but for five, six minutes, and then yeah. I've thrown to a commercial, you know, for Viagra. Here I get to talk for 45 minutes and then throw to a commercial for MeUndies. I'm also helped out by my uh, trusty producer, Matt Gorley. Hey, Matt. Hi, I am very excited about this episode today. Yeah, uh, this is an exciting one. We've talked to a lot of incredible people so far. This gentleman, um, his brain intimidates me. He's such a a brilliant writer and raconteur. I have so much admiration for him. When I heard that he was willing to come on the podcast, I was elated and I was excited coming today. I won't draw it out any further. Today's guest is David Sedaris. You probably are a little apprehensive about being my friend. I mean, I would be apprehensive about, feel apprehensive about being anyone's friend. Um, So it's not just specific to me. Well, anyone, but you a little bit more More. than anyone. I'm just not sure there's a payback. You don't think that there'd be any benefit to you? Well, you know, to tell you the truth, you know, like my boyfriend Hugh will say, why are you friends with that person? That person's Mm -hmm. just a mess. I don't, maybe that's a compliment. To you because no, 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 I don't no. think you're a big enough mess. 
I <laughs> be my friend. Would you, Sona, would you like to weigh in? This no. is my assistant of 10 years. Go he's ahead. A, he's a big enough mess. I think you guys would get along great. Are you a cheap person? No, I'm not a cheap person. Okay. I'm very generous. You're taking notes as we write, and that's worrying me. Well, no, I was just taking notes because I love stories about cheap people. Cheap people. And I went to, uh, is this okay if I just interrupt to tell you this story? That's the whole point. <clears throat> um, I was at a dinner party in England, and I met a guy, and he's a, a cancer surgeon, and he specializes in colon cancer. So we operated on this guy, and the guy was in remission for five years, and then he said, you've been in remission for five years. You were thought to be cured. Congratulations, you're cured of cancer. And the guy said, oh, doctor, my wife and I would love to take you and your wife out to dinner to thank you. Mm -hmm. So they went to this restaurant, and the bill came, and the patient looked at the bill and looked at the doctor and looked at the bill and looked at the doctor and said, and the doctor said, should we split the bill? And the guy said, that'd be great. Oh, wow. no. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wonderful. <laughs> that is fantastic. He cured him of cancer. Yes. Oh, and I'm sure, too, the doctor would have just as soon stayed home. He didn't necessarily want to go to dinner. He's not that desperate for a, even... It's fantastic. <laughs> I live for stories like that. I, okay, I would provide you no stories uh, of cheapness. I don't think I would, I would not, I don't think about money that way. And I would rather, I would much rather err on the side of take care of everybody. It all gets sorted out several lives from now. But it doesn't have to be you. If you know some cheap people and I know you can a just lot talk cheap about people. that, then that would make me happy. Right I know there. a lot of cheap <laughs> I know a lot of cheap people. And I think, um, but- I did want to say, in all sincerity, I've always, always loved your writing and consider you to be one of the funniest uh, writers uh, in, our, in our language. I've also been intrigued that there might be some similarities between, between us. For example, I do come, I'm one of six kids. I'm just curious, do you think birth order has anything to do with how much craziness you were exposed to or how you were able to use it for your work versus any of your brothers or sisters? I think birth order, you know, when I hear people say, oh my God, I'm an Aries and that's why I, d I don't b believe in that for a second. But I think birth order, yeah, has a lot to do with- Where are you in the order? I'm the second to the oldest. That's And I don't know what that's really supposed to mean. I mean, like my brother's 11 years younger than me. So I know that the way that he grew up, all the rules that we had were just gone yeah. by the time he came around. I mean, we weren't allowed to say, shut up to our parents. And he could say, fuck you to my parents. <laughs> yes, like, he, grew up, okay. he grew up in a completely different house. Yeah. I am the third of six. I once said I'm the middle of six in an interview. And um, the actor at the time, Tony Randall, cut it and said, how can you be the middle of six, which, you know, he's right. If you're looking at it as a math problem, you, you know, three right. is I not I guess the middle of seven is easier. To yeah. Be. So I've always been angry at him since and did not mourn his passing <laughs> as a result of that, of that savage quip. Let's dance on his grave. Oh, trust me. No one hates like I do. And I know um, that would entertain you. I'm a good hater. Uh, but I've always thought that my parents, by the time I came along and I was the third, and we were literally born, I think my mom had a child once every uh, eight months um, uh, for a while there. And I've always felt like there was a little bit of a buffer. Do you know what I mean? That, that I wasn't getting the full dose of their attention. And that in some ways that created a different situation for me or different possibilities. Do you know what I mean? So I do think in my, in my sense, birth order was like a big deal. Well, because don't you feel like most people in show business, just there's no amount of love that's enough for them and they still go out trawling for more. Right. You just described what I've been doing the last couple of months perfectly because I have a television show, but I went out on a tour and started a podcast. And it really does start to seem like, what is it you didn't get, Conan, when you were a kid that we all have to pay for now? You know, why are you, <laughs> why are you inflicting this on, because it does feel that way sometimes. Like, I, like uh, I have nine ventures at the moment. And it's almost like I'm trying to fix something that happened in 1968. Well, I used to divide the world into two groups. Those who pay people to listen to their problems and those who make people pay to listen to their problems. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I, but now I separate into people who have had a uh, camera put up their penis and people... <laughs> 
had a camera put up their penis. Let's explore that area for a second, uh, specifically the penis. Uh, I don't think we were rolling when you discussed that. You had a a procedure, Is, is that correct? Yeah. You know what? Classic urinary tract infection. I've never had one before, mm-hmm. but I talked to some people, and it was like when I was I would, when when I it was like peeing on an electric fence, right? And then I started peeing blood, and so I went to a doctor, and I said, I think I have a, a urinary tract infection. And when you're young, then they say, here, take these antibiotics. Right. When you're not young, and apparently I'm not young anymore, they say, well, it could be cancer. Let's run some tests. And so they ran a number of tests. And they put a, a Golden Globe Award up my ass. And then they snaked a camera down my penis. Whose Golden Globe Award was it? <laughs> you know what? I, my eyes were screwed shut. I saw the Golden Globe Award and then I just kept my eyes shut. Okay. And I never saw the wire. That You're lucky it's penis. not a Latin Grammy because those can tear. <laughs> I never saw the wire they put on my penis because I couldn't bear to look at it. And it was on a television screen. And then the doctor was Scottish and he said, look at the screen. And I didn't want to. And he said, and, and, okay, I, I know my Scottish accent is bad. He said, ah, there's your sphincter. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> he made me look at my sphincter. Up. I, you know what surprises me a little bit is that he's a professional. He does this several times a day. And his reaction after his... 400th time of putting uh, a, a, a massive award up someone's ass that he would still go, ah, that is your sphincter. Like he's seeing a comet. Well, my- when that should be the most common sight to him in the world. A comet. That's yeah. Nice. I feel like my insides are inside for a reason. And I never want to see them. You, you know, it's like them. when you go for a colonoscopy and they say, you want to stay awake and watch? No. The happiest I've been in my life, and this is not a joke, and I've had some moments of pure bliss in my life, the happiest I've been is when they administered the twilight drug to me so that uh, I could have a colonoscopy. When that was over, I've now had, I think something like 40 colonoscopies. I don't even, I say don't even put a, don't even use a camera anymore. I understand drug addiction now because that drug, uh, I'm a very self-conscious person. I'm tough on myself and I'm constantly hyper aware and anxious. I've never been in more of a state of religious bliss than I was during my colonoscopy because of that drug. I believe it was Profifol. Yeah. And uh, I, and it has a, it has a long tail, that drug. So I, I was like a, a religious figure afterwards. I was like a, a Buddha. I was walking around shaking. I was walking the streets of New York and I was shaking people's hands and asking them how they are. It was all because of the tail end of this drug. It was a beautiful experience. And I look forward to my next colonoscopy because of Profifol. <laughs> you know, I have, I, that was my experience exactly. And people, and I dreaded it, dreaded it, dreaded it. Doctors call that drug milk of amnesia. That's yeah. what they call it, Profifol. But I woke up on a cloud of love. Yes, yes. I, and I understood drug addiction perfectly. Yes. And that's what Michael Jackson used. To yes. sleep, understand it completely. Oh no, no! Once I had that drug, I, I, I mean, not that I didn't have sympathy for Michael Jackson before I did, but I understood that if it was possible for me to regularly get that drug, it would be a problem. Wouldn't it be so fun too to do it with other people? <laughs> I mean, because I woke up on the cloud of love, but nobody else was on the cloud with me. But to be on the cloud with other people would right. just be such a beautiful be nice. experience. I think I will anytime you want. I will get a dual colonoscopy with you. We will get on side-by-side tables. We will each get Profifol, and then we will record what we say for the podcast. You know what? I got to say, that is an absolutely lovely idea. And I will, guess what? I will pay for half of it. (laughs) Well, somebody who's never had a colonoscopy would probably think, well, that would be just too embarrassing because they said, you know, when you come up, when you come out of it, the doctor is going to want you to pass gas. They're not going to let you leave until you do it. And I thought, well, then there's there's no way I'm ever going to do that. I mean, (laughs) when with my boyfriend 30 years, I've never done that in front of him. I Mm -hmm. no, I can't do it. But you're on the love cloud and they ask you to do it and you do it and you're happy to do it. (laughs) Imagine you living in a world where you're not self-conscious about passing gas. And in fact, you're happy to do it on command. 
Well, you know, maybe you did the same thing. I went to everybody after I had my colonoscopy, and I said, "You've got to have one of these things." I said, <laughs> yes. "They are fantastic." But in 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 England, because I told people in England, "You got to get it done." They don't give you that drug. Really, England, no. where they could probably no country is probably more in need of its populace getting colonoscopies because I mean I'm sorry, but they're eating mm-hmm. giant roasts of beef constantly. No nation in the world more desperately needs uh, colonoscopies uh, than the United Kingdom, and they get. <laughs> Nothing. I don't know what. You, don't think they the, probably the give them. A, they probably give them a pint. You know, like <laughs> how, their 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 version of profofol is uh, is probably uh, two pints of, of of lager, right? Well, after this, uh, my, my doctor told me he was going to use a uh, anesthetic anesthetic when he put the thing on my penis, and then he said, "Oh, it's a cream. Those don't work. Creams don't work. No." And then he said, oh, go have yourself a gin and tonic. That's what he said afterwards. No. I think to to have the gin and tonic would be before. Yes. They do that, not after. Yeah. And I don't drink. I'm shocked that none of this conversation has gone the way I thought it would go. (laughs) There were so many things to talk about. And uh, I was really going to bring my A game because, you know, you are this incredible author. It's David Sedaris. And... We have spent, I, have, I don't have a clock on this thing, but I'm going to say 17, almost 18 minutes on Scottish sphincters, penile creams, internal organs, uh, passing gas. Uh, this is either the best podcast I've ever done or it will never be heard. But you know, I got to say, when I came into this, I thought, well, you know, when you think about it realistically, I don't know that Conan and I would be friends, but the more we talk, the more I see that we have in common. I mean, a desperate need for drugs. (laughs) What you said about your colonoscopy was exactly what I say about it. All right, I'm going to say something else that I'm curious if if you can relate to this. You have a fan base that uh, is is massive. They love you, and it's very interesting to me because what I can relate to is I know that you don't read anything about yourself. No, I don't read anything. And also, I, I don't know, I, I, like in terms of, I, w- I was looking one time on, um, on, a, on a website and there was something about this screenwriter and I don't know why people don't like this screenwriter. I, I don't understand why. I think her movies are charming. And, but people have always like dumped on her. So people are saying awful things about her. And this guy who named Unicorn Dog, somebody said, oh, I'd like to fit, you know, beat her up or something. And Unicorn Dog wrote, I have my feelings exactly. That's how I feel about David Sedaris, only more so. And I thought, what did I do to Unicorn Dog? And this was like eight years ago, and I think about it all the time. I think, what did I do to Unicorn Dog? I, it, I, I hate the thought that there's somebody out there who hates me so much, and I don't even... Right. I, it's not like I can call him up or write him and say, why, what, did I, what did I do to you, Unicorn Dog? <laughs> Uh, you know, I left my very first comment on a website, and I left my complete full name. And it wasn't a criticism of anybody. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, "What? what is this guy wearing? And and it's like a detachable come to garçon collar from a couple seasons ago. And I, But I didn't realize when I did it, like they gave me the option of coming up with a code name. And I thought, that, that seems cowardly to me. Well, I've had guests tell me, that they'll they'll come on the show and then they'll come on the show the next time. I remembered someone specifically, and I'll say it actually, it was Gary Shanling. And in the commercial break, he told me, oh, I was really upset about some of the comments about my last, about my last appearance. Some people said some mean things. And I said to him, and the band's playing in the background and it's supposed to be just all fun show business. And it's, he looked really upset. And I said, Gary, why would you ever go on the internet and examine all the comments. I w- it's the last thing in the world I would ever do because if someone as brilliant as Gary Shanling can get his feelings hurt by an anonymous person saying, I didn't like the shirt he was wearing or I used to like him, but now I don't or whatever, uh, he shouldn't be exposed to that. It seems absurd that Gary Shanling would be taken down in any way by a random comment by a guy. We don't know who this person is. Right. 
Now, Unicorn Dog, I happen to know, is a very fair critic <laughs> and a big fan of mine, by the way. Huge fan. And I think has an unerring eye for talent. So, uh, but no, I, 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 I guess one of the questions I wanted to explore with you was your popularity. Has it been at all tricky for you? Well, uh, like I... Uh, I'm on this little tiny lecture tour right now. Usually I'll go to like 40 cities in 40 days and I do it twice a year, right? And But I've just been to like, I don't know, eight cities on this little trip. And so I like to sign books before the show and after. And before it gives you an idea of who's in the audience. So then you, th and if someone meets you before a show, they're on your side. You know, I mean, if you have mm -hmm. a nice encounter and then if something doesn't work, they'll say, well, I know him. And I... Mm -hmm. Plus, it makes me excited because I meet somebody and I think, oh, she's in the audience and I like it. And I like meeting people that way because I'm not so good at having friends. We can be friends for two minutes. But if I don't say anything, then you're going to come up and you're going to say, I read your first book when – and then you don't – I, I, I don't want, that's just making me uncomfortable. And so I'll say, I'll just ask you a question, yep. right? Like, yep. uh, did anyone call you a whore today or something? <laughs> Always a good icebreaker. <laughs> Always the way to start. So we can just have a little conversation that you didn't expect to have. Yeah. But, but no, I, I mean, I wonder what people are doing there. You know, I, I look at people, sometimes I look at the audience and I think, what are you doing here? Why mm -hmm. did you, Yep. why did you come and see me? But I don't. I don't feel guilty that they came to see me. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know what? I know this sounds corny, but I'm like really grateful. Yeah. And 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 oh, grateful. Like, I completely under. I completely understand gratitude. I completely understand that feeling of, I can't believe this is happening and that I'm getting to do this. But I thought it would wear off, but it never did. No, I I, I think that's a blessing that it hasn't worn off. Um, hasn't worn off for me, and I I. Just, I make it almost a mantra of mine. I get to do this. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. Well, you know, like in terms of comments, which I would never read, if someone leaves during a show, I think, oh, it's a doctor on call. And then if a bunch of people leave, I think, oh, it was a school bus accident. You know, like what, <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, school bus accident. But even that devastates me if I see somebody leave and then sometimes the door will open and I think oh they just went to the bathroom and they're back again they don't realize that that gets to you they have no idea because they see you as someone who is untouchable in a way they don't see you as a vulnerable person maybe that's I mean sometimes people get a book signed and they'll say um, I invited all my friends to come and none of them knew who you were and I, I always say like why would you oh my god I, mean, I don't expect your friends to know I want to say my friends don't know who you are either but yeah. <laughs> But you, but, but you know what's 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 interesting, uh, and maybe you've had this experience. I've found that, and this happens a lot. Someone will come up to me and they'll start to say something really nice, and I say, "Well, thank you very much. That means a lot to me. Thank you." And then they go, "Yeah," and they're standing there and they keep talking, and I know that it's coming. And then they go, "You know, I got to say, when you first came on the air, there was two years there where I really hated you, and all my friends did too, but you kind of won me over." And that completely undoes the thing that they told you in the first place. And you've probably been there for some of these, right, Sona? Yes, I have. I yeah, have. I hear it, and I'm and I I cringe. I see it coming, but also it doesn't take much to get to you. No, either. I mean, they could be saying things with all the best intentions, but there's a level of sensitivity that is yes, not I, great. I yes, Sona's always shocked that these things get to me so much, but. Sometimes it's magical. We just did a, a, I did a sort of a stand-up tour with a bunch of other comedians. And at the end, I would do question and answer, which I'm sure you do mm -hmm. as well. And I really love that. I really love Q&A. It's fun. And at one point, I'm down in the audience with a microphone talking to people. And do you remember this? It was uh, this woman. This, this woman <laughs> just came. She marched right down the aisle, and she marched right up to me. And I have my holding my microphone and uh, it was this very sweet-looking African-American woman, probably uh, maybe 35 years old, and she just walked right down the aisle, right up to me, and I've got my microphone, and I said, yes, and you have a question. And she said, 
I'm just trying to leave. <laughs> this is in front of everybody. And the place went crazy. They love, you know, and, and, and of course I, I just said, I, I just went for it and said, trying to leave. And she said, it's not, I, it's not you. The show's, I've loved the show. I just, my Uber's outside and I really have to go. And I said, you realize, and then I pointed out the 45 different ways you can leave the theater without coming right down the one aisle that I'm standing in squeezing around me. But it made for, to me, the magic was she just did the worst thing that could happen to me, and it was the funniest moment of the night. But when you said earlier that people would say, oh, I love your show, but for years I didn't love it, yeah. or my, you know, my, my sister yeah. can't stand you. I think, don't you think sometimes it's like people, they're wanting to be real, you know? I was just thinking about this the other day. There's this old friend of mine and I went to high school with. And so sometimes I go to her town and she'll come to a show and we'll get together for coffee or something beforehand. And she said to me three times, well, you know, you're no Shakespeare. And I never, I never say to her, you said that the last time we were together. But it's not like I said, don't I seem like I could have written Twelfth Night? Like, and I'm not... I'm, I never said like, oh, did you read my book? It comes out of nowhere. Well, you know, you're no Shakespeare. Or what people say is, uh, oh, I stopped reading The New Yorker um, 25 years ago. There's nothing in The New Yorker worth reading anymore. And, I, and, and again, you just sort of, I always want to say, did that feel as good as you thought it was going to feel? Yeah. Because however it good it may, it doesn't feel as good as being in The New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> as good as- it's great. For this segment, Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. You know what makes me crazy? Hmm. I buy this beach house, my wife and I, and I never get there. And I've got this big mortgage I got to pay down. Mm -hmm. And I'm not there. And all my people that I know in my life are using it. Yeah. I don't get to use it. And all I know is that they don't have to pay the mortgage. They're there all the time, sunning themselves, having a good... Tim Oliphant was just there yeah. with his wife. Mm-hmm. Had a great time. Sent me all these pictures of the wonderful time he's having at my beach house. So I sent him a picture of the giant mortgage statement that I have to pay. Yeah. He didn't respond. Anyway, I got to pay down that mortgage. Got to do it now. Let's get to work. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park, or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. 
Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. I saw a friend yesterday and he, this guy is, I don't want to make him self-conscious, but I always pull out my notebook when I'm around him because mm-hmm. he says things it's like oh my god that's so true or that's so funny mm-hmm. when you've written I think you've um, filled six notebooks <laughs> since you've been talking to me well I'm really feeling like we could be friends who do you know who has nine eight castrated rams and one that's not castrated me you didn't have to say me at the end <laughs> Do you realize how unnecessary that was? <laughs> Guess what? Let me tell you something, David. Guess who has <laughs> six Les Paul guitars all made of Gouda cheese? Guess what? <laughs> me. <laughs> Wait, so you have Rams and yeah. one is castrated? I, I lo- no, you lost me. All, one is uncastrated uh-huh. and all the others are castrated. Was a castrated there a reason that ram you... is called an, uh, a, uh, it's called a weather. Okay. So I have eight weathers and a ram. Why did you leave one uncastrated? How did you choose which one would go uncastrated? A, a farmer uh, where where we live, he was looking for a pasture to put his sheep in. And we said, we've got a pasture in our backyard. And he came and he said, if you fix this fence up a little bit, it'd be perfect. And so he moved them into our backyard and they're chocolate colored and they're fantastic. Were you there when they were castrated? No, but don't you think it's like... I'm always so fascinated by these men who feel like their lives would be so much better if only they could have their foreskin back. You know, like people who are really angry about being circumcised. But oh, wait a I, minute. I, have, I don't think I've met anybody who wants their foreskin back. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. Men who feel really angry and cheated that they were circumcised. Good God. People will complain about anything. Well, people are, people feel pretty strongly about it. And I... I was signing a book the other day, and I said to this woman, she, she did a baby boy, and I said, did, is he circumcised? And she said, I don't believe he was born with anything he didn't need. And I'm thinking, like, I, I don't know, I just— Umbilical cord? <laughs> that's a really good— Write it down. Uh, that is a really— <laughs> I'm serious. I wish first, I thought of that when she said it. the first thing they rip off of you. You don't need this anymore. <laughs> because what I was thinking was, okay, your son's going to grow up. Yeah. And he's going to take his pants off. He's mm-hmm. going to be with somebody. So he's going to go home with somebody. Yeah. And he's going to take his pants and underpants off. The look on that person's face is what should be in your mind when you circumcise your son. Right. You know, I asked people this a couple of years ago, and I thought it was a really good question. It was I was on tour, and I did a poll. Do you think Barack Obama is circumcised or uncircumcised? And I feel like most women went with the last <laughs> penis they saw. <laughs> That's fascinating. But I don't it's know a what really the, good question. What is the tradition in Kenya? I'm just curious. <laughs> we'll see. But if he had a dad who was African, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. Then how does that affect, you know, the time he was born, it was common to circumcise all boys in yep. the United States yes. when they were born. And now it's less common. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's fascinating to me. I didn't know that there were people who were angry about that. And I'm guessing it's because a decision was made when they weren't hmm. conscious of it. You know, that it's almost like a, how dare anyone make that decision for me. But I don't think you want to be getting circumcised when you're 19 years no. old. <laughs> I would imagine that would be incredibly painful. And to have everyone gather for the bris when you're 19. <laughs> if you're Jewish and you're 19 years old and everyone gather and you've decided I want this done and you have to have it done in front of 600 people in a synagogue. My favorite joke that I love to do at a bris is to say at the party afterwards, my God, this calamari is fantastic. And then say- <laughs> We're not serving calamari. I've done that at so many brisses. Man, this calamari is fantastic. Sir, we're not serving calamari. And then I go, God, I got to write down another one. This is fantastic. If you use these, I uh, please, they're all yours. These are just gems falling from me. Um, you know what I do want to ask you about that, and, and I think about it a lot when I, when I read your work, you are so honest and you are so honest about your family. And I think that's interesting because you have to walk a line of telling the truth, but maybe also not betraying anybody. Or do you not feel that that's a risk? How do you handle that? It's usually a question of leaving things out. And sometimes if you could put those things in, it would make more sense because somebody would say, well, people don't act like that. And if, but if you said, oh, they're uh, an alcoholic, then they would think, yeah, that's how alcoholics act. But you can't say that, so you leave it out. So, But you're right. It is a fine line. I feel like people who are new to writing, what they'll do is they'll flatter somebody and then so then, then they can say something bad yeah. later in the story. But the New York Times, uh, for my last book, they said, I was talking to this woman, this journalist, and she said, you said some pretty rough things about your dad in the book. She said, did he read it? And I said, he's 95. I thought he'd be dead by the time the book came out. <laughs> and so it's true. I didn't, I didn't see the need. Is this, is this Calypso? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see the need to trouble him with that stuff. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, I thought I, I read Calypso, and I thought you were very uh, sweet about your dad. And I honestly didn't. I mean, you, yes, you talk about some of the experiences you had with your your dad growing up. I think the nicest thing about Calypso that that's something I can relate to is the book keeps coming back to the fact that you bought this beach house in North Carolina, and you want your family with you. And you want all of you guys to be together. And it's this, I, I understand that feeling. You want to gather everyone together. And especially in, in light of losing your sister, you want everyone together. I think it was very generous. There's like a real generosity of spirit in that act to me. Well, I, we, you know, my, when my mother died, she was kind of the one that got everybody together. And then when she died, it had been years since we'd all got we all gathered together. And so I got this beach house and then we started getting together twice a year. And it's been, I really, it's true. I can't think of anybody I'd rather, it's where we, we went when we were children. So it's kind of weird to be there now, except we're old. And so you spend a lot of the time thinking, how did that happen? How did we get to be this old? But, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like whenever my family's all together at the beach, I always walk away with a a story of some kind. And it's never, it's not ever anything big that happens. It's just, just ex exactly the kind of story that comes from being around your family. And, mm -hmm. and I, I'm always surprised when people come up and say, I can't believe your family's still talking to you after the things. But I, I think my affection toward them is evident. Yes. Like, but, it's but very, it's say, very evident. Yeah. But I wouldn't say I love them so much. I, I never believe, I, I, I think it's written in there that yes. I love them, but I would never say it. And so I, I think a lot of people, if they don't see those words, I love them so much, then they think you don't love them. Well, the them. fact that, that you and Hugh have all these people in this house and you're all together, that's in itself, uh, that's, a, that's a big undertaking to have family under your roof. And 
probably not always easy. And, but I like that you seem to have this instinct as a writer and I think as a person to pull all the hot coals right next to each other and see what happens. Well, that's a nice way to put it. Write it down. God <laughs> damn. Put the hot, and you know what we just did? We put, um, Can you just call the next book Conan, for God's sake? <laughs> we just bought the house next to our house mm-hmm. because they people buy these houses and tear them down and build these McMansions and put pools in. And mm-hmm. then all you hear is Marco Polo, Marco Polo all the time. <laughs> But the houses all have, like, pun names. Yeah, right? yeah. Yes, yours is a C-section, right? We changed it to the C-section. But then we bought the house next door, and we're going to call that either the Amniotic Shack or Canker Shores. <laughs> I vote for Canker Shores. But I'm then there's, sorry. A, there's a house further up near Ocracoke called, You didn't get this, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I absolutely love that. Uh, when I go through your work and when I've enjoyed your work in the past, I've always thought, I, I really do feel this kinship with David Sedaris. And I do think that there is a lot of similarities here. And then occasionally I'll hit something where I think, oh God, no, he's completely unlike me. I would never do that. For example, in Calypso, <laughs> you have this obsession with having a benign tumor removed and then you wanna feed it to a snapping turtle. <laughs> Isn't that correct? Yeah. No, don't just say yeah, like, and. No, I always don't, thought. I don't, always... Act, don't act like, you just gave me this face of, you just gave me this face of, and your point is, as if I said, yeah, sometimes I get hungry and I go through a drive through window. What's your problem? I always thought that if you had your tonsils removed, your cat would want to eat your tonsils. If you put your tonsils in a cat's bowl, your cat would eat them. And so I had this tumor and, I, and there was a snapping turtle I was going to feed regularly near our beach house. And I thought, I'm going to feed my tumor to the snapping turtle. I bet he'd like it. And the doctor said, I'll cut it out of you, but you can't have it. It's against the law for me to give you anything that I've cut out of you. So I was complaining about that on stage one night, and this woman came up and said, I'll cut it out of you, and I'll let you keep it. She said, I'm a doctor. I'm this, not a this, surgeon. By the way, I read this story, and this is unbelievable to me. Please proceed. And she said, I'm a doctor. I'm not a surgeon. And I said, well, that's good enough. And she cut it out of me, and she shipped it on ice to North Carolina, and I fed it to a snapping turtle. Who loved it. Yeah. Okay. This isn't something anybody does. First of all, you let someone perform surgery on you who may not be qualified, certainly has no access to the drug propofol. Uh, <laughs> you let this person uh, cut this uh, tumor out of you, then sew you up, as I think I recall yeah. in, the, in, in the story. Then it shipped to North Carolina. You couldn't find the turtle for a while, so you kept the tumor in the freezer. That, that, uh, I, I was with you with, if someone removes something from my body and I did have my appendix removed, I had an emergency appendectomy, uh, I think when I was in the sixth grade and I remembered asking them if I could have the appendix. So I'm with you up to that point, but I didn't want to feed it to a turtle. That crosses a line with me. I was willing to eat it myself to re-ingest my own proteins which I think is vastly more normal than your weird compulsion to feed it to a turtle. But you kept it in the freezer. Does that mean that people were opening the freezer and saying, oh, what's that? Yeah, can I put that, you know, can I, can I put that on my ice cream? And you were like, no, 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 that's my benign tumor. Well, it had David's tumor written on it. <laughs> so I think they, they knew what it was. So now we're at the level of a college refrigerator. This is, my, this is Conan's yogurt <laughs> my and tumor. that's David's tumor. <laughs> but I think- like if I lived in Florida, okay? Which is very likely. <laughs> I think it would almost be worth it to have a baby so you could throw the placenta to a gator. <laughs> <laughs> so An alligator would love placenta. Yeah. So worth it to have the baby, meaning then uh, fathering, this, uh, being a mentor to this child and taking put care it of it. for adoption. <laughs> <laughs> I just do it so I could throw the placenta to an alligator. Wow. wow. Um, I was excited to come in this morning and, and get the opportunity to talk to you. And I have a lot of gratitude for that because I'm uh, an enormous fan of your mind. And uh, this is a huge treat for me. Gosh, it's a huge treat for me too. And you know, that's another thing. And I knew you came from a big family, but I think that's another reason that we could be friends. I always feel like people who come from big families, there's something in common. You know, Sarah Thayer, Andy's yeah. wife. yeah. 
she comes from a big family, and I love the Thayer I love how you meet one and you can tell that you're talking to a thire. Oh my God, not, yes, yeah. It's not that they they do resemble each other, but their voices are alike, but they just have a sensibility that's similar. And I I love meeting people in big families who, 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 who have that. And I think too, I feel so bad for people who are only children. I think it's really important to be able to hide in a family. Yeah. And I don't think that glare, I don't think that, attention is healthy in any way to get that much attention from um from a parent i just don't think it's good for anybody i just got back uh you know from the holidays a while ago and i so much about my life is you know we gotta do the podcast the show there's the the big conan logo uh on urinal cakes here at the office i mean it's just ridiculous and i'm and that can get toxic and then you go home and Nobody cares. They don't care. And we all gather around and they make fun of me. And uh, I'm the butt of jokes. And uh, you're right back in there. You're having some of the same arguments you had uh, back, you know, 20 years before with the same people. And there's the same alliances. And as you know, shifting alliances all the time, you know, it's fascinating, but incredibly comforting to go back and just be part of a larger unit again. I feel bad for people with back pain. I feel really bad for people with Crohn's disease. But I feel, think I feel worse for people who hate their families and who say, oh, I have to go to Christmas. How am I going to survive? Yeah. I, just, I just think, gosh, that something so fundamental to, to, to have gotten the short straw there. I, I feel um, so grateful to... To just the, to, to be related to people who I'm, I'm just crazy about. Yeah. Well, this is nice. We ended on a sweet note. We did. Is there anything I can mention that will help you in any way? You, you so don't need my help, but anything like, you know, tune in, uh, you know, David Sedaris is, uh, you know, has a new uh, sweater collection that he's uh, putting out there. Uh, you know, um, David mm -hmm. has uh, a, a line of jewelry, anything at all I can mention that would help you in any way. Golly, that's awfully nice of you to offer, but I can't think of anything. Yeah. David's doing more of the same. Doing more I mean, of the I same. I guess you could just say that. Well, by far, whether it was mentioning it to my wife or anyone I ran into today who knew I was going to be talking to you, if you could just know how much their faces lit up and how excited they were for me, that's a nice thing. That's a nice thing for you to know. You've, you've made a lot of people very, very happy. David Sedaris, what a thrill. Seriously, thank you very much. Thank you, Conan. Good man. We just ended with a firm handshake. And now it's time for a segment called Conan O'Brien Pays Off the Mortgage on His Beach House. Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Crunch. This has meaning for me, okay? Because I grew up as a child obsessed. My brothers and I were obsessed with sugar cereals, we loved Cap'n Crunch. And then when they came out with Cap'n Crunch and Crunch Berries, oh. I just, it was like Oppenheimer. <laughs> I saw a white light and I knew that life had changed forever. And true story, I was just back in Boston visiting my brother, Neil, and not kidding, he is two years older than me. We are grown ass adults. What do we do? We sit down at our kitchen table in Brookline, Mass., and we both crack open a box of Captain Crunch with Crunch oh Berries. And we had it together, multiple bowls. And I was so happy. Oh, it's nice that you have that. It really is. Break away from the ordinary with Captain Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. Everyday life can be stressful, but I've got to tell you, it's just such a sense memory for me. Not just original Captain Crunch, which is great. Then, oops, all berries yeah, they came up with. I remember that. Usually I don't eat foods that have oops in the title. <laughs> But when they came up with Oops All Berries, I was there. Peanut butter. Oh, my God. Peanut butter crunch is fantastic. It turns the milk into this cool peanut butter milk. I love it. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture. That's a word now. Buy Captain Crunch's new cinnamon crunch now at a retailer near you and learn more at captaincrunch.com. Neil, we made it! <laughs> Thank you.
Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, (laughs) and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications, like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. Us. Conan, it's time to listen to some voicemails. These frighten me. You know that, right? I know. You always expect the worst. I do. I clench up childhood anxieties. This triggers me because I never know what someone's going to say. What if they say something mean or, and that's going to be in my head when I'm trying to go to sleep tonight. But anyway, this is the world we live in, so let's do it. It's so, so disturbed. All right, let's listen to the first voicemail. Hey, Conan, it's Jean. I live in Boston, and I recently visited the uh, Dreamland Wax Museum here in Boston. And there were all the Boston icons, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, all the Tom Brady, even Tom Brady's wife. So I noticed there wasn't a Conan wax figure, and I decided to write the director an email. And I said, do you have a Conan O'Brien wax figure? Why? Why not? And here's her response. Hi, Jean. We do not have a Conan O'Brien figure. We do have a Whoopi Goldberg. Thanks for your time. Bianca Cardoso. So here's my question. Why are they comparing you to Whoopi Goldberg? And why does the Dreamland Wax Museum not like you? Well, uh, Gene, again, uh, this, is, uh, this is disturbing. I'm disturbed too. I think this blows that I'm not in this wax museum. I've never heard of this museum. I was just going to ask if you've ever been there. No. Okay. I've never heard of it. I don't know where it is. But if they're talking about Boston icons... Yes, I understand, you know, Tom Brady has to has to be in there. Yeah. I agree it's weird that his wife is in there as well because I think she's from Brazil. Yeah, she's Brazilian. Yeah, so I don't get what that's all about. And I don't know why Whoopi Goldberg's a substitute for me. We're, we're quite different. Is Whoopi Goldberg from Boston? I, was I wasn't even aware that. if she was. No idea. I don't think, ever think about Boston. Uh, this feels like a great crime. <laughs> Uh, it does. <laughs> this feels like one of the greatest injustices of the past 50 years. Oh, and I'm including boy. a lot of historical injustices in there. Um, oh, you mentioned God. that the director is Bianca Cardozo. I would urge our, our listeners to email or write <laughs> Bianca Cardozo uh, at this, what's, what's this museum called? It's called the Dreamland Wax Museum. Wow, Dreamland. In Boston, wow. Massachusetts. Dreamland Wax Museum. Well, it does not sound like a dream land to me. It sounds like a nightmare scape. <laughs> if you're saluting Bostonians and Conan O'Brien's not there, what are you really doing? Yeah. That's crazy. That's like saying, let's, let's salute the famous people from Memphis and not having Elvis Presley in there. That's to me what it feels like. And I bet you they've had a lot of complaints about this. <laughs> and... I do. You've I bet never you... even heard of it before. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure there've been a lot of complaints. There's actually there does exist. Uh, there's I'm a, there's a Madame Tussauds yeah. wax Conan. I'd be willing to have that duplicated and sent at their expense to the Dreamland <laughs> Museum. So I don't. This is a solvable problem. But I bet you this is a question they get all the time. You know what I mean? This is like oh, I was at Disneyland. I went to the Hall of Presidents. Oh, really? Was there a Lincoln there? Oh, come to think of it, there wasn't a Lincoln. There was a Polk. There was a, a, a Garfield. There was a Harrison. But no Lincoln. Hello. Earth to dreamland. Get a Conan. And you know what? You can get plenty of celebrities sort of look like me. It doesn't even, you just get any body. It could be a woman's body. 
Just put loose clothing on it, right? Oh my God. And then just jam a pumpkin on top and it's Conan. <laughs> you know? There's not a lot that goes into a Conan wax statue. Yeah. What's her name now? Cersei. What's her name? Cersei Ronan. Cersei uh, Ronan. Wait, no. Is that Saoirse right? Cersei Ronan. Cersei Ronan. Yeah. Get like a Cersei Ronan statue and oh. just put a pumpkin on the head and it looks like Conan. Put a suit on it. You have Cersei Ronan's body? Oh. I wonder if New Kids on the Block is in this wax museum. That would be a That's cruel a blow. real injustice if that isn't. Do you think New Kids on the Block are in there? I hope so. Why? So who do you think deserves it more? New, New Kids, Kids on, the, on the Block. Why? I'm still here. Yeah. Where are they? They're still there. They have oh, a cruise. Yeah, they have a cruise. Yes, they work that cruise. Yeah. They're shoveling coal into the engine. Okay. <laughs> they have a cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Get back to work, you. Well, I don't even know their names. Which, what are their names? Jordan, Donnie, yeah. uh, hey, Joey. Hey, Donnie, get back in there. Hey, Joey. Jonathan and Danny. Jonathan, did you get those barnacles off the hull? <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't. We thought we were going to perform. Perform? No one's wanted to see you perform in 18 years. Get those barnacles off the hull. Yes, sir. I think it would be a really big injustice if New Kids on the Block was not in the Dreamland Wax Museum. Let me point out something so, else. Tom Brady touch- isn't even from Massachusetts. He's from California. Uh, oh, yeah. He's, you no know. No one cares. Oh, listen to this. Fact just handed to me. Whoopi Goldberg, born in New York City, moved to Berkeley, California. (laughs) And when you ask, where's Conan O'Brien in the Boston Wax Museum? They say, "Uh, we don't need a Conan. We've got a Whoopi Goldberg. (laughs) In fact, I don't think she has any connection to Boston. That's ridiculous. What did you do to Bianca Cardozo? What did you do to this woman? I didn't do anything to her. Uh, This is ridiculous. This sounds to me like they were able to get their hands on a Whoopi Goldberg wax statue, and they jammed it in there figuring most people wouldn't know. That's what this sounds like. This sounds to me like this is a wax museum without proper funding. (laughs) Seriously. I have a theory. What? There used to be this ride at Disney called Superstar Limo, and you would go through this ride, and there were all sorts of celebrities. One of them was Whoopi Goldberg, and the ride failed miserably. Oh, and yes. maybe they eBayed that. Guess what? What? That's probably exact. I'm not even kidding. That is exactly what happened. They got a hold of a rogue Whoopi Goldberg wax statue, and they said, you know what? This area here, completely empty. We got nothing. Whoopi. And probably one of the employees said, People are asking about Conan O'Brien. And then Bianca Cardozo <laughs> said, look, that costs money. What are we going to do? Just go, you know, build a Conan O'Brien? I don't think so. Find an existing wax statue. <laughs> and then someone said, but Bianca, uh, Whoopi Goldberg isn't even from, and she cut that person off and said, shut up. <laughs> Just go offer 20 bucks for the Whoopi Goldberg. Tell them we're not paying for the shipping. They got to take it here themselves in a truck, get it, and fill out that space. We'll put a Red Sox cap on her. That's what happened. This is the same ride that the day it opened was the day that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman broke up, and they had statues of them in there. And so they popped their heads off and put Antonio Banderas and Melanie Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true story. God. These people are monsters. Yeah. Well, listen, there is an existing Conan O'Brien statue. It's at Madame Tussauds in Hollywood. Uh, unless they've melted it down since then. I know wax is a very valuable commodity. What? (laughs) There's a wax shortage. Melt down the Conan O'Brien statue. But I think this is a great crime. Thank you very much, uh, Gene, for bringing this to my attention. This is uh, an abomination. Okay. It is. And I think the people of Boston uh, should rise up and demand justice. Okay. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White and the White Stripes for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. 
Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.